Please join me in reading responsively. Stand by this faith number 569 in your hymnals. Number 569. Stand by this faith, work for it, and sacrifice for it. Which has comforted us in sorrow, strengthened us for noble duty, and made the world beautiful. That you are strong enough to work for a great true principle without counting the cost. Well, thank you all for your warm welcome this morning. I am delighted to be able to be here today and with you through the summer and get to know you better. So now I invite you to close your eyes, if you want. (laughs) Go back a couple of months, just to the spring, early spring here in Minnesota. It's cold. You all know that really well, better than I do. I've only lived here four years. The sun seems new and bright, but those puddles are still frozen when you wake up. The birds are chirping, and it's still new. You notice them right away. It's early in the season. So now imagine that spring could have come sooner for this man named Nathan. He wakes up, and he is groggy and hungry. Now, Nathan, he's a frail man, and he seems really small. He's sickly and pale, and it looks like he has seen better days. He hasn't eaten in a while, hasn't had even oats to feed his horse. He had to pawn his pocket knife at the last turnpike. With no bread in his belly, he packs his things to leave for camp, and he saddles up his horse, that hungry horse, hungry horse and hungry Nathan, and they head west. Clip clap, clip clap. The horse heads west and moves along. There's a glint, and Nathan wakes up, and there's a fire in his eyes, and the sun rises in the sky, and he heads further along to Utica. The crowd might just give him supper tonight. It'll be a good run. Nathan rides. The horse trots along, hoping there will be oats in the distance. Warming in the sun, those spring puddles melt. He rehearses his sermon in his head. Clip, clap. Last night went pretty well. The folks in the tavern, they liked the idea of universal salvation. They toasted him. No hell beyond hangovers. (laughs) But tonight's gig is going to be a little more refined at the town meeting house, but hopefully they'll have some good stew. Nathan, this is Nathaniel Stacy, who was one of the universalist early circuit preachers in the 1800s. His physical appearance didn't betray his fine way with words or the zeal he had for his faith. Itinerant preaching was a hard way to make a living. But as Nathaniel wrote, someone had to do it or else there would be no universalist societies or congregations. 
throughout Nathaniel's missionary work. Stacy preached in 10 states, delivered 4,749 discourses, officiated at 368 funerals, and solemnized 228 marriages. And Nathan wasn't the only one. So I admit I am baffled by those early circuit preachers. What must it be like to believe, to really believe, to feel something so strongly you'd wake up on that cold morning in New England, ride to a distant town to preach to total strangers who might not even welcome you, and you might not make enough money to eat, to leave your family, your job behind, to work without pay, not counting the time, to travel miles upon miles punctuated by tolls you can't pay. What call is this? What type of person is this? What faith is this? This is our faith. This is universalism. More than any gift or divine call, Nathaniel was a lot like you and me. What got Nathan on his horse in the morning is that he had news. He had good news, and he believed that the world needed to hear this news. He knew he lived in a world in deep, deep need of hope, like ours now, and hope was all he had. So he knew that as small and frail and pale as he was, he was the one to do it. So he gave it what he had, this. This is our inheritance. This is our faith. This is universalism a grassroots tradition founded by common folks who believed God was too good to damn even the bad. One morning, 30 men and 31 women got up and left their church in Gloucester one day because they believed in hope. They believed that a faith based in fear was not worth having. They believed the world needed a sanctuary for this hope. Immigrants arriving in America needed religious hope along with political hope. They do today, too. The folks in Gloucester needed it, and they knew they were the people to do it. So they stood up, packed it in, and moved on out. That is our inheritance. In our times, ideas of hell seem quaint, sometimes even charmingly ignorant. Perhaps hell only exists for fundamentalists, believers, the orthodox, and maybe even only in their minds. Without the reality of hell, universal salvation, too, is a way of the past something we seem to have outgrown. We give it a respectful nod with our modern principles and the name of our church. But I think it's more than that, because I think there is hell that exists today. We know that natural disaster destroys countries, and war destroys lives in our planet. Unethical dealings on Wall Street ruins the lives of millions of Americans and threatens our global economy. Elsewhere in the world, armed militias rule by might. Here at home, our sea, wildlife, and the livelihood of those who depend on it are in hell on the Gulf Coast. Here at home, you can be stopped in Arizona if your skin is any darker than mine. While those in power in the Middle East seem to be in a perpetual stalemate, there are ordinary people like you and me whose homes are raised for settlements and can't get basics like food for their children. Our country spends billions of dollars in nebulous war against terror, often terrorizing those with the least. All the while, we're sending our loved ones loyally serving in our armed forces into harm's way, 
a harm we could argue is largely created by our own foreign policy. The people on the front lines are the people with the least, the least money, the least options, the least hopes. The people on the front lines are those who are seeking the right of health care, women seeking reproductive rights, the working poor, people of color, queer folks and the blue-collar worker hoping for another day on the job before the pink slip, or perhaps another unemployment extension. I'm not here to convince you of hell, though, because I think, like me, you know about it too much already. You hear about it every day, and maybe you're afraid. I'm not convinced here to convince you of hell, but rather to convince you of hope. I'm here because in our tradition, I am rooted and I believe in salvation. I believe that God can save us all, but it's going to be through the work of our own hands. Universalism is not just our past, but it's our present and our future. We are the ones we've been waiting for to bring hope to a hurting world. Our calling is not a lonely journey. It's through this community we can draw upon our rich heritage here and now to inspire us, to give us courage to act. We have good news that the world desperately needs. But this news needs to go beyond these walls and halls. The principles need to come off of the bulletin boards and into our hearts and on the road. The will to believe, the right to believe, that changes reality. And I think you know that too. I think that's why you're here today. Like one of our founding fathers, John Murray, we can say to all those oppressed within and beyond our midst, we give them not hell but hope. To the victims of clergy abuse, we give them not hell but hope. To the victims of war and those serving in war, we give them not hell but hope. To those fighting addiction and mental illness, we give them not hell but hope. And to all those whose lives have been shattered by suffering, we can give them not hell but hope. But it's such a tall order, and our lives are so busy. It's hard to pay the rent on time to remember which day of the week is garbage day, especially for me, because I just moved, and I really have no idea which day it's going to be. So I try to remember Nathaniel. I remember those folks in Gloucester. They were busy, too. It's easy for me to think that they weren't, that these pillars of our history were just, that's all they did. But no, they had rent to pay and children to raise. They didn't even have a dishwasher, either. When we're surrounded by hell, it's easy to succumb by the illusion that a solution can only come with golden wings, bright images against a red sky, a messiah, a politician, Obama. A corporation, maybe, who could fix everything while we remember to add toilet paper to the grocery list. It's important. But that's the worst part of hell, because it's a lie. There is no one else but us, and there never was. But here's some good news. You don't have to be brave today. If you came here broken and weak, you belong here. And if you came here feeling hopeless and overwhelmed, you belong here. If you come here feeling strong and joyful, well, of course, you belong here. And if today you are sick and broken, 
You belong here. Because the burden is not anyone's to carry alone. It is ours as a church. We are a church. We are the inheritors of a church that fought for freedom from slavery and for women's rights. One day at a time while they paid the rent, raised the kids, and cooked dinner. It's not just the world that needs hope. We need hope. And this is the place where hope grows. On rough days, I think of Nathaniel Stacy, and I think he's simply another overblown legend or merely another crazy heretic. But then I come here. I come to church. And I see the Nathans before me. I see people who come to church early and stay late. Some hand out programs in the morning, others teach the children. Some dust the light fixtures on weeknights after committee meetings when no one is watching. But ministers know this, they notice. Some folks wash the coffee cups after coffee hours, some knit comfort shawls. Some work late into the night on the budget. Some go to small groups, though I suggest it for everyone. And some walk the labyrinth. I see people here with the courage to share the reality of their personal hells. We come to church and we give what we have today. We give what we've got honestly because we believe there's good news. So when you're feeling hope slipping away, and if you don't today, you will, think of Nathan. When the morning is cold and you're hungry and the puddles are frozen, think of Nathan. Heck, when summer is hot and sweaty and miserable, think of him too, if it helps. Remember the fire in his soul. Remember his words, someone had to do it or else there would be no universalist societies or congregations. There wouldn't be this church. Someone has to do it. We are that someone. This is our faith. It's our inheritance and our hope. And it's this hope that might just save us all. I invite you to join me in prayer. Holy One, source of life, we come to you in this sacred place, praying for our hope to be renewed in ourselves, in the world, that we may work for justice and fullness of life as we leave these walls and move out to the world. May it be so. Amen.